Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Hey guys, welcome to The Porch. My name is Josiah, it's a pleasure being with you tonight. We are in week four of POV. We're looking at Jesus from the different Bible characters, I should say, are looking at Jesus from their point of view. That's the whole purpose of this series. But before we get going in that, I just wanna welcome some Porch Live locations. So here in Dallas, will you help me welcome The Porch Live Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Greater Lafayette, Boise, Idaho, Scottsdale, Arizona, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Houston, Texas, wherever you are tonight, y'all welcome them. Come on. Yeah. There's so many more I could have mentioned, and God is doing a work here at the porch, and man, we are humbled to be a part of it. So wherever you're tuning in tonight, welcome, and first and foremost, I just want to start out by saying, man, it's, it's a good day, right? I mean, summer's here. I mean, we're in the 90s, y'all, so I don't know about you, but summer is my favorite time of year. I can shed some LBs because all I do is sweat in the summer, amen? And so, uh, man, it's a good day because summer is here. Well, hey, before I get going, I thought I'd share a story, and uh, this story happened uh, just a few months after I got married, and I had this brilliant idea that I would uh, go on this hike with my wife, Kathy, Anybody just love the great outdoors? Anybody like just, yeah. I mean, specifically hiking. And so I had this incredible plan, like we were gonna go to the Grand Canyon. Like anybody? Yeah, Grand Canyon? And so for me, man, like it was a first. I was like, man, we're gonna go to the Grand Canyon and we're not just going there to sightsee, like we're going there to hike. And, uh, and so what I did not know is I needed the full day to hike the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And I, I did some, Research, and this was after the fact, but here's what you need to know about this particular hike, the Grand Canyon. From Google itself, it says this. The hike down generally takes around four hours, while the hike up after a good night's rest will typically take seven to eight hours. Okay, a total of 13 miles, rated difficult, and no one recommends doing this in one day. But you know, boy, I'm an athlete, right? Where are my athletes in the house? And my roommate... Okay, we got some athletes. And, and, and my roommate from college is like, bro, I did this. I did this. You know, we, we did it and it was fine. And little did he say, he started at 7 a.m. So I'm, I'm kind of a, there's two, peop, there's two kinds of people in the room tonight. 
The people that just plan out everything and they leave no room for surprises. And then the people that just kind of shoot from the hip, fly by the seat of their pants. Yeah, that's, that's me, baby. Come on. I'm just like, fly by the seat of the We'll figure it out as the day unfolds. And so that's kind of what I did. And so we pull up to the Grand Canyon at, at 12 o'clock. And so I go to the welcome desk and I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to hike the South Rim. And they're like, oh, at 12 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, it'd be fine. They're like, I wouldn't recommend that. I'm like, you don't know me. And so, <laughs> and, and so we just, man, we're having some fun. I think we got a picture of it. This is my wife, Kathy, and I. I mean, we're like five months into marriage. Okay, we're not even really dressed. I mean, I got cotton long shorts. I mean, you could tell. That's seven years ago, y'all. Y'all men ain't wearing them kind of shorts. I seen y'all and what you're wearing these days. And so we, man, we're having a great time and we're, we're going down because you start on the top and you go down. And so we're taking pictures and we're having lunch. Man, I'm, the Ro- I'm, I'm pulling out Romeo. I'm romantic on this hike, y'all. I did pack a lunch. I thought about that. And so we're having lunch and we're, you know, overlooking the camp. It's beautiful. I mean, one of the best days of my life so far. And I'm looking down at the Colorado River. I'm saying, surely it ain't that far. It don't look that far. I mean, come on, we got this. And so we had another two and a half hours to go. And I'm like, we got to do it. Like, I, I don't want to just turn back. Like, that would be zero fun. And so we get down to the Colorado River and we dip our feet in and it's beautiful. And one of the hikers comes up and says, hey, wasn't that an amazing hike down? Like, yeah. He's like, where are y'all staying tonight? Staying? We, we, ain't, we, we going back up. And he's like, bro, you you going back up? And I'm like, yeah, we going back up. And he's like, well, you didn't get a hotel? I'm like, well, we can get a hotel. He's like, no, nah, man, you got to plan out months in advance. And looking at you, you ain't the planner. He's like, he's like so do you, have a, do you have a headlamp? Headlamp? No, I ain't got no headlamp. He's like, you're not making it up before dark. He's like, take my headlamp, and if you make it up, leave it at the hotel at the top of the canyon. I'm like, if? What you talking about, bro? <laughs> I'm getting a little defensive, right? And my wife's looking at me at this point. Kathy's just like, what the heck did you just get us into? I'm like, it's okay, baby. And so I got a little bit of water. I got a little bit of water left, and so your boy just drinks it because he's got to stay hydrated. And so not even giving any to Kathy. Like, that's just selfish, y'all. Hey, I'm newly married, okay? God's sanctifying me. And so, (laughs) no, but seriously, like we get going on this hike and we're not even halfway up and we are, we're dog tired. Like we don't have any water and we are thirsty to the point of like my my mind starts hallucinating. I mean, I mean this, like this is no, this is not made up. And I'm like, man, what's about to happen? Like, is the helicopter going to come down? We're going to make the Grand Canyon times, you know, or or is a mountain lion going to eat us? And the, the, the sun is setting. And I'm like, we are not, we're not even halfway up and we got at least another four hours to go. And I, I come to a place where I'm exhausted and I'm spent. She's exhausted. We can't even go another 10 yards. And I start there tonight because just like we were thirsty physically, humanity is thirsty spiritually. Like we come into this place, if you had to be honest with yourself tonight, if you were to be honest where you're sitting tonight, like we come into this place and we're, we're thirsty emotionally, we're thirsty spiritually. Some of us, man, we, we, we 
are running to things like sex, thinking that it's going to fulfill us, and we're running to the next party or the next drink, or we're living for the weekend, or you're trying to you know, become a millionaire by 30, or you're looking to the next promotion, all the while kind of leaving God over here on the side, and you know deep down, like you know when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you know that what you're pursuing is not fully satisfying. Like you're looking at that two-dimensional image and it, man, it, it helps with the release in the moment. But you know it just keeps you coming back for more. Like it calls your name and it, there's, real, there's real, I mean, just, let's just keep it real nice. There's not a lot of satisfaction. There's not a lot of fulfillment in that. And I can say that, man. I was a porn addict for 10 years of my life. And so tonight we're talking about this idea of being thirsty because I think that's a picture of what some of us come into this room with or we've all been there at some point. Just like I was that cotton mouth thirsty, that frustrated thirsty, like some of us come into this place and we're, you know, we're not cotton mouth from the weed we smoked the other day, but we're cotton mouth from just like life. <laughs> and we're just wondering, man, what? What's this life all about? Like, what's really going to fulfill this body of mine, this life of mine? So I resonate with some of you tonight because a majority of my life was spent trying to pursue satisfaction. Like the Rolling Stones song says, come on, you know this, I can't get no. That's weak. <laughs> Some of you wear the t-shirt and you don't even know the song and you just proved it, <laughs> right? But we're gonna look at a story tonight between Jesus and a woman at the well way before the Rolling Stones ever penned that song. I can't get no satisfaction. Jesus has an interaction with a woman at a well where she is trying to find satisfaction. We're looking at a story where Jesus shares with this woman where Satisfaction is found. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to be opening them to John chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Tonight we're talking about how we go from being a thirsty person to a satisfied one. John chapter 4. So he, Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Hold up. This is important. Jesus is a Jew. Jews didn't associate themselves with Samaritans. Like, like they, were, they had racial tensions, like uh, Samaritans were half-breeds, like they weren't full Jews, and so they racially profiled them. And, and so Jews, in order to get to Judea, they would go around Samaria, and this would add days to their travel. Not Jesus. He went right through Samaria, why? Because he was on a mission. Verse five, eventually he came to, Samar to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink, verse eight. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused 
to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Exactly. If you're taking notes, point number one is his pursuit. His pursuit. What Jesus, what, what makes Jesus' pursuit of this woman so powerful is this woman was an outcast of society. We're going to go on, the text is going to go on and say that this woman has had five divorces and the man that she's living with is not even her husband. Now, this would have been crazy, y'all. Like, you know, today, five divorces seems a little bit extreme, but first century, like, five divorces would have been unheard of. And so this woman is at the well trying to get some water. And and notice the text says at noontime. Why? Because this woman has been just kind of casted out of her society. Like no one's wanting to associate with her. Like like she got kicked out of the Samaria Girls Club, if you will. Because she's kind of the the one that kind of gets around the town. And she's a loose woman. She's going at noon because she doesn't want to be seen because she's embarrassed and she's shameful about the way she's living. And everyone has rejected her except one person, Jesus. Like, can you imagine what's going on in this woman's mind from her point of view? Like, Jesus, you're a Jew. Why are you asking me for water? Like, why are you even talking to me? Why are you even associating yourself with me tonight? Like, you might come into this place and you might feel like God has forgotten you because the circumstances of life seem unbearable. Maybe you've gone through a breakup. Maybe you were on the verge of getting married and and, and the whole thing just fizzled out. Maybe you come into this place and you lost your job or you didn't get that promotion or you lost that loved one or you're still single at 30 like I was and you're just like... Come on, God. Maybe you come into this place and you think you're too far gone because you're entrenched in your sin and and there's no way up because you're just addicted. Let me tell you something. Way before you ever came to the porch tonight, Jesus has been pursuing you. In a world where there's almost 8 billion people, Jesus says, you're the one I want. This is what he's communicating to you. If you find yourself in the circumstances of life or you think you're too far gone because of your sin, Jesus is looking straight at you tonight and saying, no, that's the person I want. Just like he looks at this woman and says, hey, let's talk. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your present. Let's talk about where life is found. Some of you have this idea that Jesus is more kind of like the police, like a police officer. Your boy up here, man, he's got a need for speed. And so there was a month when I got three speeding tickets. And like on the verge of spending some jail time, like real talk. But, but this is a picture of like how you think Jesus is, right? Like he's just out to catch you in the act. Like when you get off sides or when you get out of bounds, like he's just coming to get you. Like to, to slap your hand or one guy I talked to say, hey, man, you want to come to church? No, if I came to church, lightning would strike. It's like, whoa, that's not how Jesus is. No, Jesus is looking at you in all of your mess, in the well that you're go- running to and saying, no, I want you. 
You're the person that I love and that I want. And here's what I learned. Even when I was running from God for a great majority of my life, he was always pursuing me. When I was running to the next relationship or the next baseball game I had and, you know, thinking that that was going to fulfill me if I, you know, did well in that game and got the affirmation and that a boy's from the coach or, or, or that next party or that bottle or that drug that I tried or, you know, making money. You know how God pursued me? He allowed me to be empty and unsatisfied with all of that. I felt like Solomon in Ecclesiastes where the whole book of Ecclesiastes could be summed up in one sentence, all is vanity. He allowed me to pursue all those things only to leave me empty and unsatisfied and unfulfilled with those things. It was one of the kindest things that God could have done for me. He met me at my well and all my mess. And listen, if you're here today, which you are, Jesus is after you. So we're gonna see how this story unfolds and we're gonna watch how Jesus does the same for this woman, verse 10, John chapter four. Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Look what her response is. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer water? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks from this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I think I would have said the same thing. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come to this well and get water. See, she was still operating in the physical realm. She was still thinking that this was some physical type of water that Jesus was offering her. But then Jesus does a hard left. And he looks deep within her soul and exposes something. And I believe the most gentle, loving, but convicting way, verse 16. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. Thanks for your honesty. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And she said, you have certainly spoken the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Point number two, if you're taking notes, his promise. His promise. Jesus is looking at this woman and he's promising her living water, water that quenches every longing this woman would ever have. And from the text, we see that the greatest longing that this woman had was a longing to be loved. But she was looking in all the wrong places for that love. For her, she had been drinking at the well of men. She had gone through one broken relationship after another relationship after another relationship. Now she's at a point where she's just like, man, I'm, I'm just giving up on marriage. 
but I don't want to be single and alone, so I'll just shack up with this guy and we'll just be roommates. And we'll just live together. And she keeps going back to the same empty well. And Jesus looks at her in the most loving way and just says, hey, do you want a water that will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul? See, the fact that Jesus wasn't driven away from this woman because of all her issues shows us the heart of the Father. Like, in other words, like he, he, he's not driven away from him. anything. He's driven closer to the issues of this woman. See, this is God's heart for us. Why? Because Jesus' main mission in life was to pursue and save sinners by giving them a promise. What's that promise? That he alone is living water, that he alone is a source of life. And the reason any of us find ourselves not satisfied is because we're going to the wrong well to drink. I liken it to this. Imagine just this is a bucket, and you're trying to get filled by the bucket of people. Like you're thinking, hey, people is what's gonna fulfill me. This relationship, this friendship, this date, ultimately, hopefully, it leads to a marriage. And we run to the bucket of people thinking that this bucket is going to fulfill us because we have this possible daddy wound and we were never affirmed by our dad. And so we jump from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship thinking that that man is going to satisfy. I have two little girls and every day I say three things to them. I say, hey baby, daddy loves you. I mean, I, I love you, not because of your performance, not because of anything you do or don't do. I love you because you're mine, you're my daughter. And, 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 and baby, you're special to me. And lastly, you are beautiful. Not because you wear princess dresses and put makeup on, but because of how God has created you. And some of us, if we had to be honest with ourselves tonight, we never experienced those types of words. We never experienced with specificity that from our dad. I mean, last time I taught, I said, I have a mama wound. And, and, and this mama wound just plays out in really broken ways where I think that people, this is my ditch sometimes, like, like I want the affirmation and the praise of people. And so that's why I've ran to teachers and coaches and other people's parents to try to get out of boys. This is why some of you, man, you, you, you run to thirst traps, man. You know who I'm talking about. Like, like you post things just to get affirmation because you never got it when you were a kid. And you don't believe that God's approval of you, what he says of you, who you are in Christ is enough. So that's why you post things and you do things and you say things to get the world's approval. And so you run to the bucket of people only to find out that they're broken. For you, for you, it might not be people, it might be pleasure. Like you, you run to the bucket of pleasure and you run to sex or porn. And, and this is what, let me say this for a second. You know why I ran to porn for a decade of my life? It's because I, have a, I had a desire to be desired. I, I, I wanted to be wanted. 
And so in those few minutes where I could escape reality from not feeling wanted by my mama, I escaped reality and I went to that two-dimensional image thinking that, hey, this would satisfy me. This pleasure of porn would, would do it, but it only left me more and more thirsty. Some of you, is not porn. Like, it's just the party, man. It's just that drug. It's just that drink. And you just, you have way too many. And so it leads you to do stupid things, but you kind of like it because you can just blame it on the alcohol. Or, or for you, it's like whatever that blank is, if I just get to that next season, what's that next season that you want to get to? Is it, is it the season of, of marriage or just the season of getting that date? Or maybe if you're married, you're like, man, if I could just have kids. And it doesn't stop, y'all, because not only people is broken, but pleasure's broken and performance is broken. And before it was like, hey, I want to pad my stats in the baseball field. That's where I'm going to find my, 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 my performance. That's where I'm going to find my, my worth. And, and today, after Christ, like, for me, it's like, I want to build a bigger stage for myself. Or I want to live in that neighborhood or that zip code, or I want to get to that tax bracket, or I want to get to that car. I want that car. And it just doesn't stop. And so you just run from people to pleasure to performance. And, and some of these things, if I had to be honest tonight, they're broken, but they're not necessarily bad in themselves because if you put Jesus at the center of all those things, like he can do amazing things with the people in your life, even the pleasures that you have. Like there's some good and holy pleasure that you can redeem for the glory of God or the, or the performance that you're running on. Like, man, go, man, go, get, go get it. Go, go build something. Go create something. Man, have significance. Yeah, man, if you want to make money, go make money. But at what expense, y'all? The expense that you can't be a Christian and do the things that this book is saying to do, and it's only going to leave you more and more broken? Like, if you're trying to find success in your significance, or if you're trying to find significance in your success, like, it will never fully satisfy. And this is what God in his kindness is trying to share with this woman tonight. The truth is, is God could give you everything you ever wanted. Whatever future season out there that you're thinking that you want, and it still would not satisfy you. And sometimes in his kindness, he gives you everything just to show you that it won't ever fulfill. And sometimes in his kindness, he doesn't give you everything because he's trying to save you from pain, heartache, and greater levels of brokenness. See, a lot of you, man, I, I talk to you and you claim, like, man, Jesus is my living water. Like, he's, he's my fulfillment. I, you got that verse in the bio, and you would say that he alone satisfies you. But if I was to follow you for a whole week, and I would go where you go, I would listen to how you speak. I would watch the decisions that you make. Would your actions be aligned with your words? And listen, I don't, I don't ask that to put guilt on you. Like, I, I want that for me. Like, that's why I'm in community with other men who can walk with me and observe things in me and point out things that 
are inconsistent with the character of Christ because at the at my hardest of hearts, like I want to be God's man. And some of us tonight, man, we, we say one thing, but we do another thing, and it's just downright confusing. And we keep making excuses as to why we're not really all in. It's, it's kind of like, you can answer that if you need to. <laughs> it's kind of like salt water. I, I don't know if you know much about salt water, but salt water, it makes up 70% of the planet. Did you know that? That was something I learned this week. And only 1% is fresh water. And so if I was to ask you, like, how much would you have to drink? Like, if you were thirsty, you go back to my story in the beginning. Like, if I just started drinking salt water, like, how much would I have to drink to be satisfied? Maybe I should try. No, I'm playing. I'm not going to do that. I tried it early, and it was gross, y'all. But how much would I have to drink to be satisfied? Here's the thing. If you know anything about salt water, there's not an amount that you could drink to be satisfied. It only leaves you more and more thirsty the more and more salt water that you drink. And it's like God in his kindness is looking at this woman. He's looking at you and I tonight and he's saying, hey, you can keep chasing the bucket of people the bucket of pleasure, the bucket of performance. But if I'm not at the center of those things, listen, you're drinking salt water and it's only gonna leave you more and more thirsty in this life and in the life to come. Like it won't end well for you. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man and that way ends in death. And I'm not just talking about physical death, I'm talking about spiritual death, separation forever and ever from your creator, the one that's pumping breath into your lungs, giving you a heart that beats, eyes that see, a body that functions. And I believe that when we really double down on who God is and who we are, like it puts us in the, the right perspective to see what this woman's about to see. Like this woman believes that there's more to life than the things that she's been pursuing. It goes on and says in verse 25, check this out. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. See, that's important because if you were a Jew, like you look forward to this Messiah, this God who would come and save the people. And, and they were, you know, looking forward to that day. So she had something in her Body, like hardwired, like God is hardwired. We see in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has written eternity in the hearts of every man and every woman. And so even you know that there's something greater out there. And so she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. She's still not connecting the dots, y'all. So what does Jesus do in his kindness? Verse 26, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Jesus told this woman that he already was the living water, that he would quench her thirst. Then Jesus showed the sin that she had been committing and the sin that she was currently living in. And she still didn't connect the dots. She still thought Jesus was speaking in code and being cryptic. But Jesus said, hey, let me just set the record straight. I'm the Messiah. I'm not a prophet. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just some religious person. 
Like I am the one that you have been waiting for, the one that you have been thinking about and you have read about in the Old Testament. I am on the scene. I am God, the one who had been, they would have been anticipating back then. See, the greatest promise that you and I could put our faith in is that Jesus is the Messiah. In other words, Jesus is God, that he didn't just come and uh, just do some cool miracles and give the blind sight and the lame walks, and he didn't just come and teach some good things like love your neighbor as yourself, the golden rule. No, no, he ultimately did those things so that people would see that he was the Messiah, that he was God. And the ultimate act that he and I did for you and I was that he died on the cross for our sin. That you and I know, man, that we're not perfect, that we're broken, and that there's a chasm between us and God. And the only bridge that is suffice for that chasm is the cross. It's not your good works, it's not your religiosity, it's not your porch attendance, it's only what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so all of our sin was poured out on him at the cross and he soaked up the wrath and the judgment that you and I should receive. Scripture says and history records that he didn't just die, but he rose again on the third day to defeat sin and death. And now the ball is in your court and my court. What are you gonna do with Jesus? And it's the greatest message out there. There's not another message that you could proclaim or embody that's going to give you life now and the life to come. And so this is my story, man. It was a Saturday night. I just finished playing a three-game series and boys were getting ready to go to the party and my roommates and also my teammates and I just said, guys, I'm taking this one off and I finally just said to myself, hey, what, what is my purpose in life? What kind of life does my... What kind of meaning does my life have? And I got real with those questions and I asked myself, where am I going when I died? And God met me right there in my sin. And, and, and it was this unbelievable conviction of sin, but comfort of his promise that I wasn't too far gone. And only a God who can give you conviction of sin, but comfort in his promise simultaneously is a God worth following. That he didn't expect me to go and make things right. I couldn't make it right. But he helped my eyes look to the cross, look to what he had done for me. And I'm like, that's my sin on the cross. And I stopped comparing my life to everyone else, even people in the church. And when I did, my mouth was stopped of all justification because you and I know that if we keep comparing our life to other people in the church, we can always find someone worse than us. And so I would justify that I was not, I was a pretty good person, I'm fine. Not that night, it stopped. And God met me and Jesus provided not just conviction of sin, but the promise of hope. And so we see from this passage that Jesus is not just saving this woman from something, her sin, but he's saving her to something. He saved her to tell others about him. If Jesus saved you, then you share it. Like he didn't just need to coach her up and say, okay, this is how you go and share about me. No, he just said, hey, this is who I am. 
Now, what are you gonna do with it? Watch how she responds. Verse 28, this is one of my favorite parts of this entire passage. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could it possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. Point number three, if you're taking notes, his purpose. So not only do we see his pursuit, we're not, we see his promise, and now we see his purpose. Did you catch that? She left the one thing that she thought was going to quench her thirst. Why? Because this woman was discovering a purpose by which she was made for. She came to this well trying to be filled physically. She didn't realize her spiritual and emotional dehydration, and God points it out. And he says, no, you don't just need physical water. You need spiritual water. And Jesus changes her life and begins to change her her purpose. And the Bible goes on record to say that this woman was the first convert in Samaria and it led to a mighty move of God among the Gentiles in that town. Verse 39 of John chapter 4, many of the Samaritans from that town, what did they do? They believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I had ever did. Don't miss this. Your purpose and my purpose in life is to know Jesus and to make him known. Like that's, that's it. Like if, if, if you don't leave with anything else, leave with this purpose that you are called to know Jesus and to make him known. Every promise that God gives us comes prepackaged with a purpose. And I'm thankful, man, that God just is, didn't just save me from my sin. Like he saved me to go out with this incredible purpose that wherever I go, whether I'm you know, a young adult pastor full-time or whether I'm a husband of Kathy and you know, a, a dad of three kids or whether I'm going out to a restaurant or I'm going to a coffee shop or I'm going to buy clothes, for me it's probably shoes. And so wherever I go, man, like I am just proclaiming who Christ is. Like this is your purpose. And listen, like you, you just share what you know. I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate this thing. Like we're like, man, what, what, what do you mean? Like, how, what, what, I, I don't know about that. That seems weird. It, it, it's, it's not, man. Like, like I, I, this is, I'm just telling you, man, ever since my junior year in college, I've opened this book. I've gathered around with some men. And I just said, hey, based on what we're reading here, what's God calling us to do? Okay, great. He's calling us to go serve. All right, I'm gonna go serve. He, he, he's, he's calling me to be all in with the church and become a church member and be a part of that body of Christ because his church is his hands, his feet, his eyes, his mouth, his ears. Okay, I'm gonna go all in with the church. Okay, he, he's calling me to repent of sin, do a turning from sin and a turning to him. Okay, so I'm gonna constantly repent of sin when sin is in my life. I'm gonna confess that to him. I'm gonna confess that to my trusted brothers. Oh, he's calling me to, to go share the gospel. Okay, I'm gonna do that. I mean, just, just the other day, man, I'm like, I got to go get a fade. So, hey, who, who knows a barber? Okay, you know a barber? Okay, I'm going to go to the barber shop. And so I come across this barber, BJ. I'm like, what's up, BJ? I heard you're the best in town, bro. He's like, well, that's, a, that's, that's kind. I'm like, no, for real. I heard athletes fly you out, man. And my boy over here, he's paying for it. So we good, right? <laughs> and, and so we're sitting here talking, man. And BJ's got, you know, Michael Jordan days up on the TV, I mean, you know, the, the dynasty days, and we're talking basketball, we're talking Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. I've just butchered that, right? Whoop! 
And, and, and man, we're just talking basketball because that's the season of life we're in. Go Mavs. And, and I'm like, no, man, Mavs are the best, bro. I think Luka Doxy, he might be the best ever. That might be a stretch, but uh, bear with me. No, Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. And, and I'm, we're just talking life. And I look at him. I just said, hey, bro, I know this is a, I'm downshifting now. But, I, but before I leave, man, you, you hooked me up. I love it. Thank you. But if you were to die tonight, man, where would you go? Heaven or hell? And he looks at me with all sincerity and he says, man, I'll go to heaven. I said, can I ask you one more question? He's like, sure. I was like, why? He said, because I'm a good person, man. I said, hey, man, thank you for your honesty. You know I thought that for 22 years of my life. I said, BJ, if, if you could get to heaven by being a good person, what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross? He looks at me. He's like, man, you got me. I said, bro, bro I'm, not, I'm not here to get you. I'm here to just share the hope that lies within me. Like, seriously, bro, if, if you're saying, hey, I, I can get to heaven by my good works, you're basically saying, I don't need Jesus. And you're taking away from what he did for you on the cross. You're stealing glory from him, and you're placing glory on yourself. You understand that? He's like, yeah, bro, that makes sense. And I'm, and I'm like, hey, dude, the, here's, the, here's the problem. We can't do enough to get to God. The Bible says that we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves as a gift from God, so that no man may boast. If you and I could get to heaven based on our good works or our church attendance, then we would surely boast about it. And that's kind of like what you did, man. He's like, yeah, I know, I did. I was boasting about my good works. And I said, you're, you're stealing glory away from the God who created you. And everything in us, bro, there, there's, a, there's a part in all of us, God's hardwired it, where we want to connect back to our creator because this world is broken, right? Like you can't get away from that. Everywhere you look, the news you turn on, the headlines you read on social media, like there's brokenness all around us. And I said, Jesus came to give us hope for that brokenness. And what you do with Jesus, you ask him to forgive you of your sins. You place your trust in what he's done for you, not what you do for yourself. The Bible says he'll save you. He'll forgive you of all sins. We don't work for our salvation, bro, but we sure as heck work from it. I don't, I'm not sharing this gospel with you because I have to, bro. I'm sharing it because it's just, it's welling up in me. I can't, I can't, man. Every time I look at somebody, I'm like, bro, there's an eternity there. There's an eternity there. And he's like, I got questions. I said, like, I don't have all the answers, but let's continue to talk. So we are. I said, boy, you're my, bro, you're my, bro, you're my barber. Let's do this. I said, I don't know if I can afford coming every week, but, you know, unless you're trying to give me a discount. And so we're in this conversation. I think sometimes, man, we just overcomplicate what it looks like to follow Jesus and know him and to make him known. As I close, uh, I want to go back to the start of the message. And we're sitting there, we're dehydrated, we're lacking water. And, and this is no joke, man. I was thinking that, hey, this was the end. I, I, literally, I looked at Kathy, I said, well, baby, it's been a good five months. <laughs> and I just said, I, 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 I know. And we, we start arguing, like we start fighting. It's like we start blaming each other. And, and, and we can't go anymore. Like we're just exhausted to the point of, hey, Either God sends something, someone to help us, or like, I need, I, need, I need some water. And so it's getting dark, and we see people walking down 
the, the canyon. Like they, they stop because they're like, man, we haven't seen anybody walking back up. The, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, no duh. We probably should have stayed down there, but we don't have a hotel. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, we're not okay. And so in, in that moment, they said, hey, well, we have water and we have some snacks. We even got a cool towel. You want it? And we're like, yeah. But you know what we wanted the most in that moment was just water. And we just started crushing water, just crushing water. And, and I share that with you because that's a picture of what God wants you to do when you wake up tomorrow morning or when you go out to eat tonight. Like they, had, they saw a need and they had the thing that would help the need. The need was dehydration and they had the water. And so I'm speaking to you Christian tonight, you have the supplies. You have the message of Christ. And there's gonna be people that you come across that are thirsty, not, not for water per se, they might be, give them water. But m- more so, they're gonna be thirsty spiritually, emotionally. And they're trying everything underneath the sun, trying to fulfill that, that need. And it can only be fulfilled by what Christ has done for them. And so when you wake up and you go to your office at Deloitte or wherever you work tomorrow morning, you're going to come across thirsty people. And my charge to you tonight is just share what you know. In your kindness and the, the, the love that God has poured out on your life, like just ask good questions. Show them that you care. Like how unloving would that couple had to be to notice that we were struggling with dehydration, they have water, and not share that water. Like, that would be pretty unloving. They just pass us by. <laughs> and that's a picture of some of us today, that we keep passing people by, and we have the hope from this book. We have the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and, and we're just not sharing it. Like, we're not even attempting to build bridges to the people that we're coming across in this life. And so my charge for you tonight is that you would see God's pursuit of you. He's after you. You would see his promise. He's promising living water, a water that will always quench your thirst. And he's inviting you into the greatest purpose that you could ever have to know your creator and to make him known through the person of Jesus. Acts 20, 24 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by my Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about his wonderful grace. And so tonight I'm asking, I'm pleading, I'm begging you, don't waste your life, man. Don't miss out on opportunities because there's nothing that's gonna fulfill you like what we talked about tonight. Let me pray that you would, God. Father, I pray that you would help us see, not just with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes, that you're the only one that can satisfy.
God, I know that people come into this place tonight and they're drinking from the wrong wells. And they're doing the same thing over and over and over, thinking that it's going to lead to change, thinking that's going to lead to fulfillment, thinking that's going to lead to satisfaction. And that's really the definition of insanity. And so for those that aren't drinking from the well of Christ, would you call them to drink from that well tonight? And those who are and have drank from the well of Christ, would they go and share that with the people around them? For your glory, for our joy, and for the world's good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.